Hey guys, welcome back to the Far Better Podcast on the Scattered Abroad Network. Glad that you're sitting down with us, folding laundry, doing whatever it is that you're doing. We're thankful for an opportunity to discuss the Bible with you. This is season four, episode 15, and we've been talking about the theme far better than dot, dot, dot. And today's episode is my job. Uh, That's what we're talking about, focusing on the Lord more than my job. Uh, By serving God, I have a much better chance of having a good quality of life than any type of job that I could possibly have. No matter what I do, no matter where I go, as long as God is first, that's what matters. I've got two guests that at the time that we're recording this, they are still students at the Memphis School of Preaching. At the time that this will air, they will be graduates, um, I think. I don't think any of them will do anything crazy where I'll have to delete this episode and do it with two other people, but... Uh, at any rate, when you're hearing this, these two gentlemen will have graduated school. Uh, they are in just a stellar class. I mean, there's nine of them, and people have said throughout their two years, it's a smaller class, but the quality has been phenomenal, and I'm thankful that I have a chance to have them on here. We'll start with Cody McCoy. He's going to tell us about his time at Memphis, uh, tell us where he's going to end up going to work, and then we'll move over to Josh Walker. So, Cody, it's good to have you on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, my time here at the Memphis School of Preaching has far exceeded anything I ever thought it would be. Um, the instructors and their real-life experience, along with their knowledge of the Bible, has been phenomenal for me, and it's a decision that I would make over and over again to be able to do. Um, once I graduated, I will be taking a work as the Director of Operations for House to House, Heart to Heart, and polishing the pulpit, so I'm excited about the opportunity to continue to serve the Lord in that capacity. Yeah, that's going to be great. Um, I know PTP, it's kind of been a rough couple of years because we haven't been able to have it, uh, but that has been such a highlight of my Christian life getting to go and looking forward to Lord willing. I, I believe when this airs, PTP will have already happened, uh, but we're thankful that it seems to be getting back into the flow of things again. I know there were a lot of restrictions and a lot of difficulties that kind of prevented it the last two years, but it's good to have somebody doing that. That is a work that truly needs to be done. And of course, house to house, heart to heart is also very near and dear to the church and all of the good things that it's done over the years. So uh, tell us a little bit about the two-year program, how you've enjoyed it. Uh, Maybe if you've got a funny story, a memory that you've got, that'd be great too. And uh, I'll start the timer for what I should have done a few minutes ago. So go ahead and just tell us a little bit about your two years here at school. Two years here at school, I've enjoyed most of all the structure about it. It seems like there's a lot of thought process that goes into how are we going to train preachers to to be preachers. And uh, everything that they do, whether it be something that's part of a syllabus or not, is all about that training. And that's probably the the thing that sticks out of my mind about when we're looking through these things, how, how are we going to get a preacher that will stand before somebody that they're not going to fall into um, popularity or loss of job, fear of loss of job or anything like that, that they'll really stand for the truth. I, I think that there's probably a million stories that we could tell. I don't know if there's any right at this moment that come to mind for me to be able to share, but the camaraderie that you have with other families and, and single guys on campus is the part that's really part of the experience that you can't duplicate anywhere else. With us being all in that same community together, there's a certain amount that even adds to the experience that's here at the school. Yeah, and I think the dynamic, um, as we were getting ready to shift over to to Josh, I think the dynamic that MSOP has is really impressive because there is a lot uh, that comes into the difference in age, the difference in background, the difference in family makeup, and yet all here doing the same thing, striving for the same prize of becoming a gospel preacher. And so it's it's always a joy 
before I worked at the school to see the different classes as they progress. Now getting to see them every day, it's a lot more of seeing that gradual progression. Usually I would see a student, they'd start, I'd barely get to talk to them a whole lot. And then two years later, they're up there, they're preaching. I'm, I might be there for their final chapel or I hear them do something at the lectureship. And I think, wow, they have really grown. And then now I'm getting to see that gradual progression where it really is seeing how it worked in my life for me when I came to school and now seeing it work on the students. It's a, a really big blessing. And so we're really glad to have Cody on the program today. And Josh, uh, Josh Walker, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're going to be going to work and um, any anything about the school story related, whatever you just take it away. Well, again, I just want to echo what, what Cody said, as far as my appreciation for the opportunity to be on here. Um, as far as work, uh, I'll be working with the Monticello church of Christ in Monticello, Arkansas. Uh, we're thoroughly excited about getting down and, and starting. It's a, it seems to be a good congregation that's, uh, welcoming and ready to work. So we're, excited about being a part of that um <clears throat> as far as the school goes i think you know my dad was was a instructor here at msop uh he was a director at the southwest school of bible study after that and before that he taught for for many years at southwest and so i felt like i had an idea of what was uh gonna happen when i got here as far as the challenges and so forth and i, I can honestly say that it even even with that amount of experience, which is probably most than, more than in a normal student, still uh, exceeded my expectation. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. As far as what I'm going to learn, uh, I've learned more than I could have ever imagined. Uh, the challenges were, were greater, which is good because uh, I've definitely grown from it. Uh, the relationships formed uh, is is again like like Cody said you can't you can't measure that uh, from that statistic that standpoint. I played football uh, all the way through college, and I was a a person who liked to get feedback on how I was doing so I could get better. And I think one thing that probably sets this school apart is when you speak in chapel, you get critiqued, uh, and it's it's done uh, with the intent of helping you grow. And but it's it's not a a pat on the back like you normally get. And I think that's probably been probably the most beneficial thing for me personally is because, you know, you lay it out there and people kind of pick up on, on what you're doing and, and tell you this could be done better, this could be done better. And I think when you add it or, or attribute that to your preaching and you fix what, what they say could be fixed, I, I think you, you end up being better at the craft. So uh, that's something that I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed personally. Yeah, and I know when we think about becoming a gospel preacher, um, we kind of have, and I've talked about this on the podcast before, so this isn't anything new for the listeners, but uh, we kind of have a almost unhealthy view of the gospel preacher at times because we see such great men, and I love I love Josh's dad, Brother Don. He was uh, one of my instructors, and I looked up to him, but I was always trained to not have an unhealthy relationship with preachers to where I thought that they were some greater man than any other Christian would be because they simply preach the gospel. And so that critiquing is important because you can go somewhere and preach one of the worst sermons in the world, and some sweet older lady is going to come up to you and say, 
I don't know if anybody could have done that any better, you know, and it, it's, it's tough because then you walk away going, yeah, I did a good job. And the critiques, like you said, they're, they're really aimed at saying you did a good job in these areas, but here's some areas we think you could improve. And then that student gets to keep that sheet and they can look over it and continue to look at the things that they need to be working on. And that's a blessing because that's part of how they get better over their two years. And so, uh, while we get into the program here, we're talking about my job, uh, far better than focusing upon my job and having the things of this world. And so the first question I've got for you two gentlemen is, is it really true that God comes before our job? I, I think the short answer to that is yes, um, but it wouldn't be much of a podcast if we left it there. There's two thoughts that come to mind for me, and the one that we hear most often when people start to struggle about where their job fits in their spiritual life, um, you'll hear the more shallow ones go to 1 Timothy 5.8, and they will talk about, but if any man not provide for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he has denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. And so then they start to pit those things against whatever it is that they're wanting to do in, in their job. But then we come back to one of the more basic ones that we know about, Matthew 6.33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Well, what are these things? Back in verse 31, it was food, it was drink, it was clothing, and it's the, it's the thing that drives us as males to go to work in the first place is to be able to provide for that family. But it doesn't mean that we're allowed to pit, pit those things against one another to make ourselves feel justified or better about um, the job that we've chosen. So that that's kind of where the discussion starts for me. And does God come before our job? And the answer is yes. You know, I'd agree with that. The easy answer is yes. Uh, but I do think there's uh, an aspect of it where our job works in conjunction with God. Uh, you go to Ephesians 5. And it talks about the master and the servant's relationship, which would be the implication that there's an expectation to work. God gave Adam a job in the garden. Uh, he gave the Levites uh, a job, specific jobs when uh, uh, that they had to carry out. So I, I think the intention has always been for a person to work. Uh, but uh, you know, from the standpoint of does it come before God? It doesn't. Our job should work in conjunction with God, and if it if it it, it ends up getting in the way of our service to the Lord, then something needs to change uh, on our end. And it's tough, too, because preachers, uh, this isn't a preacher's podcast. Uh, we've, we've talked about doing that at some point on the network, but we haven't yet. Uh, but preachers, when there's a youth devotional and the preacher's there, it it's technically work. It's not supposed to be, but the preacher is always in front of the congregation and there's always going to be a moment where someone will go, come up to him and say, now tell me about Matthew 12, 32, and tell me about this passage. And, well, my, my cousin's sister said this to me, and I, I just don't think that that's right. Will you tell me if that's right or not? And now here you are, you're trying to be at a youth devo maybe with your family, and you've been pulled back into work. And so it's hard to kind of separate yourself sometimes from saying, I leave that at the office because though you can lock your office door, you then go to the church event, and now there's people there, and they're wanting to talk to you about it. And it's harder for preachers because God is our job as a preacher. We're, we we sit in the office, we study, we go to the hospital, and we visit to try to show people that we care. And we do all of these things because we want others to have a relationship with God. 
and then we leave and we go home and we sit down and maybe we just finish eating dinner and our phone rings and now we've got to go do something else. And so for preachers, it, it can be difficult sometimes for people to see that though we get paid to preach, it's a job and there are things about it that make it difficult. And from the secular standpoint, there are so many people that don't get to do that. They they go to a Devo because they want to, not because the membership expects to see them or because the elders say, hey, we're having a youth devotional, and rather than get somebody else to do it, we're going to ask you because you're the preacher. That happened all the time when I worked at Somerville. There's nothing wrong with that. It makes sense. You get the preacher to do the Devo, uh, but there are so many things where if somebody in the secular field is going to go to a spiritual event, it's because they're choosing to. They don't have anybody that's forcing them to. There's nobody that's saying your paycheck is based upon you going and doing this. If you are a businessman or you are a farmer or something along those lines and you don't make your money through doing church work, if we can call it that, then you are totally having to put God before your job at times because there might be a day where the crops need to be harvested, but worships that morning. There might be a day where, yes, there's a an opportunity to do something and you, maybe you could go in for a few extra hours, but you don't really have to. And there's worship and there's a, maybe a work day. There's something that can be done. That's where it's so hard to put God before my job. And I think when we talk about this, I did pick these two gentlemen for a reason, and we're going to talk about it more toward the end of this episode, but there comes a time in life for a lot of men in the secular field that are Christians where they decide it's time to leave the secular field and go to the work of the Lord. My father-in-law's one. He worked at a hospital for years and then um, went to Brown Trail School of Preaching and became a preacher and now works in uh, basically digital media as the Good News Today host and uh, working all the time and trying to promote biblical programming. I mean, you work in a hospital, you work there long enough, you don't have a small paycheck. And it can be easy for some people to say financial security is so important. All of this is so important. When you leave a job, and this could be for the reason we're talking about, but I want to focus more on the idea of just knowing when it's time to leave a job the second question of, of all of this is when we talk about focusing on the Lord more than our job, there might come a time where it's time to leave that job. And there's not going to be a little fairy that taps you on the shoulder and says, hey, it's time. There's not going to be some epiphany where you wake up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat and go, oh, that's it's time for me to go. You have to make that decision. So when should someone leave a job? Uh, it's actually something I've done. Uh, I probably stayed longer than I should have, but I would say in general, when the nature of the work becomes sinful or even influences sinful behavior, um, there needs to be some self-reflection and you need to leave. And we also need to put our faith in the Lord that he's going to provide that, that job that is not going to be drawing us away. Um, which leads me to the second point that when the schedule or the workload of the job that you're in draws you away from the assembly. And um, working in retail, we always had those type schedules to where I'm constantly fighting my conscience about where should I be right now. Um, I was fortunate enough for the 25 years career that I spent in retail that I was able to make one or one or the other on Sunday. Um, but there were times to where you would get into situations and that's not possible. Um, I was working for one company. I didn't know their background, had never been in their stores. Websites weren't really all that readily available at the time. 
and went to work for a company. And when I get there, 25% of their business is alcohol. Mm -hmm. It's selling wine and beer. And I stayed there for two years. And I think that what I was trying to do with myself is I'll hire a specialist to take care of that. He'll do all the ordering. He'll do all the selling. And, and it eased my conscience. But the more you think about that, the more it's just not right for me to be um, in those and with weddings and different parties of trying to push these um, things that lead to sinful behaviors. And so made the decision to, to leave there and was blessed with a job um, to where I didn't even have to miss a paycheck and was making $8,000 more a year. And so we need to have faith to do the right thing in our job and, and make that tough decision to leave. Yeah, you know, to kind of con- add to what Cody said, because obviously if your job is going to make you, uh, you know, contradict the will of God and his word, then obviously we should leave it. But with this question, I'm also reminded of Luke 14 and the parable of the banquet when, uh, you know, men were invited to uh, a dinner and uh, one said, I have a field, I just bought a field and you go to it or I just took a wife. I think when our job becomes an excuse to not uh, – participate uh, whether it's worship or whether it's you know what you know our spiritual well-being then i think it's time to start looking at whether it may not make us work on uh on sunday it may not necessarily be sinful in nature uh but it it's starting to become an excuse in our lives then we need to reflect i mean and, and i think a lot of people what they'll do is they'll hide behind and i, I use that term loosely uh, but they'll they'll hide behind if a man will not work, don't let him eat. Now I'm providing for my family, and that's what I do when I do this. But then you start to look at what are you trying to provide? And are you trying to provide that that boat or that camper so you can keep up with your neighbor? Are you trying to provide that new set of golf clubs or that fancy car or the bigger house or whatever it is? Then it, it's probably time we need to start looking at, uh, at least if anything, uh, readjusting our priorities. And we know, too, I mean, from the other side of that coin, some families, they have a job where uh, they need it. They need that money to be able to live. And then we're not talking about living high, you know, on the hog or anything like that. They're genuinely making their ends meet by making that job. And sometimes those jobs say you must work one Sunday a quarter. You know, that can happen in the medical field. And if someone is a doctor or a nurse and they're told, hey, one Saturday uh, this month you'll need to work, but you'll also need to work the following Sunday that comes after it because that's how we do the scheduling. That person would not be able to control that if they're truly needing that job. But I, I like the point you made, Josh, and what you alluded to as well, Cody, that we can get so comfortable in our job and so comfortable to the point that we're we're justifying what we're doing by saying that passage, well, a man doesn't work, neither shall he eat. Well, it reminds me of Terrell Owens years ago who got into a contract dispute and they got upset because he wanted so much money. And he said, well, I've got to feed my family. We're talking about a multi-million dollar athlete. And I remember reading an article saying, what are you feeding your children, Terrell? Because that you don't need that much money to make ends meet. And truly, that's what we're talking about here is if you stopped and looked back at your life right now, you, you at home listening and you asked yourself, do I have to pick up that extra shift? Do I have to go and work that Sunday? The answer sometimes, and probably even a lot of times, will be no. You don't have to do that. You choose to do that. Now, if you're in a situation like we talked about where that's what has to happen, I think God understands that. I also know that God understands if you know, you're sitting there one night and a big storm comes through and a tree falls on your house and the insurance is going to cover it, but you have to pay the deductible. 
And maybe you're a very tight family for that that period of time and you don't have a lot of money. And now you're talking about a thousand dollar maybe deductible that has to be met. I do think God understands trying to work some overtime to pay that, to make sure that you have a house over your head. I think that's what he's talking about in First Timothy 5, 8, providing for your own. But he says to provide. He doesn't say to be in excess. He doesn't say to be so overflowing with cash and flushed with cash that you could basically have multiple houses and things of that nature. Not that there's anything wrong with that either. But sometimes we get so caught up in the physical that we neglect to cho- to choose the spiritual, and then we justify it on a really faulty premise. And so this idea of when we leave a job becomes really critical, and there are a lot of people that have to sit down and, and ask that question. I know the virtuous woman, she sold clothing. She went out and considered a field by herself and bought it in Proverbs 31. And so we know it's not wrong for people to work. But she also was able to take care of her family, and a husband also has to be able to be the spiritual leader. Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 10 does not cease to matter because we're in the New Testament. That principle still carries through today because of what Jesus taught us to do. And so that idea of leaving a job might be something that needs to be considered. And a little shameless plug here for our guests today, why not leave your job and come be a preacher? If you're, if you're a young man or a married man with a family and you're asking yourself, how can I be more dedicated to the Lord? How can I do more in the kingdom? Come to preaching school. Uh, and in Cody's case, you know, doesn't always mean you leave and become some located preacher, but that's still kingdom work, which you're going to be involved in house to house and polishing the pulpit. And so there's things in the kingdom that need to be done. There's jobs that need to be filled. And so that's number three. Why should our job not keep us from the Lord? And for this... Y'all can be as specific or as generic as you'd like with your own personal experiences because I know you both left jobs and chose to come to preaching school and decide to dedicate the rest of your working lives to the Lord. So why should our job not keep us from the Lord? I'll, I'll probably reserve some of that for the more specific episode because I do think that that's an exciting thing for um, for me to talk about. Josh and I have discussed that in class before about some of those things, but for me, the most basic answer is in that whatever job you have, whether you love it, hate it, need it, um, it's only going to last about 40 years. Heaven forever or hell forever. And so for, for us to be able to, whatever it is in life, today happens to be specific about a job, but even if they were um, hobbies or the way that we choose to organize our family or the things that we pursue in this life, they're all so temporary. You know, there's something else I wanted to say on the flip side of what we were talking about with leaving our jobs is that um, sometimes we need to to be the best employee or boss that we can be, that we become so valuable that we have a voice within that company or within that job. At World Market, when I told them why I was leaving, very specific about it, it wasn't performance or unhappy. It's that I couldn't sell alcohol. They wanted me to take over a store in Colorado because they didn't sell liquor in those stores. And so those are the things that if we'll exercise our voice, and we may not know it, but even most of the companies we work for have religious exemptions that Christians can take advantage of. I would have gladly offered them to work every Saturday to have every Sunday off. And I think that if we'll plug into more of those type of opportunities, that Christians will have a voice in the workplace. That's a good point. You know, the temporary, and I don't want to, I don't want it to come off that we're that I'm, I'm necessarily knocking a secular job. Sure. Um, you know, I worked a secular job. Gould blessed me with it. I'm very thankful for it. In fact, my wife still works at the company that we we both worked for before we left. So I'm continue to be blessed by that that particular industry. So 
uh, for me personally, it was just a, a, a personal decision. Uh, I taught Bible class at church and thoroughly enjoyed studying for it. Wanted to put, you know, uh, uh, my best foot forward when I did that. And I got to the point where I realized that work was almost getting in the way of my study. And then I could solve that by, by preaching. I get to study as, as a job. And, and, and so there's more of it. There's a little bit of a self-serving behind it that, uh, for me personally, and that's not everyone's case. When you look at it from the standpoint of evangelism, uh, you look at a preacher, for example, who in the world is that per is, is a preacher really going to evangelize? Is that an office more than likely with Christians? Most of his colleagues are Christians. Most of the people he spends this time with are Christians. You know, there may be a barber or a dry cleaner, son that he comes into contact with, but he's not building relationships with the world in the same way that people in secular jobs are. And, and I think, so there's, there's a benefit to that as well. <clears throat> Jesus said in John 6, labor not for the meat that perishes. And I think, you know, like we talked about that there's this aspect of we work for God first. Well, that includes our, our secular jobs. We work, like Cody said, in a way that shows glory to God. But we also can go into it with a mindset that I might leave one of my coworkers to, to the Lord and save their soul, you know, for eternity. Right. So there is a positive right. aspect to the sick world as long as we put, <clears throat> you know, God's word and, and his will first. Yeah, and I think what you touched on there is important. James 3.1 talks about the idea that we don't need a lot of teachers. You know, teaching is not just a job that everyone should say, that's going to be me. And if everybody became a gospel preacher, uh, we would have a lot of industries that are run by faithful men and a lot of businesses that are owned and run by faithful men that would cease to operate, and therefore we would suffer because of that. Not everybody can be a preacher, but I like what you said uh, work was getting in the way of studying because usually it's said the other way. Studying gets in the way of me working, and so I have to give up studying. And not everybody will have that same mentality as far as this is an opportunity for me. Like you said, you kind of put it to be a little selfish and say, I'm going to go into the workforce to preach because I can study all day. That's what I want to do anyway. And that's what really preaching is all about is studying and bringing people to the Lord. Uh, but for the people that are sitting there and they're saying, I don't want to leave my job. I want to be more active. I want to do more. What you mentioned that you were doing for a lot of people will scratch that itch and it will help them and they will never have to leave secular work. There is nothing wrong with being a Bible class teacher. There's nothing wrong with serving as a deacon. And we need good men that are involved in that. I think about the work that's done in the kingdom from a secular perspective by men that own companies that can do those jobs. For example, we know of a brother down in the South Haven area owns a a, uh, a company that can build and work on odd jobs and projects. He's often called to work on stuff that happens around the building here and around other buildings in the area uh, where I just left a local work in Somerville. One of the elders there owned a roofing company and insulated roofing systems is what it's called. He is called constantly to go to churches, to go to houses, to businesses, to all of these things by members of the church because of him being a Christian and a business owner. And so there is such a benefit to both. Um, but 
I wanted to make sure to give Cody one more opportunity because I think I misspoke before we started. This is the episode. And so if you'd like to talk more, I'm going to give you the chance in just a second. But I wanted to point this out because this is so critical for our current climate. It is not all about the dollar. It's not all about having that security of having the nicest things that you can have. I think the passage that we often have to remind ourselves of is what we read in the Old Testament. I'm young, now I'm old, but I've never seen somebody begging for bread. You know, that's the Michael Clark version there. But that mindset is that God will provide. It may not be the most luxurious things in life. That's okay. Maybe it is. Maybe you make very good business decisions and you're somebody that is sitting with a good flux of cash and the ability to do anything you want to do. That's great. That's a blessing from God. But as long as your needs are met, you're blessed. And our world's mentality of chasing the almighty dollar has ruined families because daddies and mamas work all the time when they don't have to, doing things that they don't need to just to provide something for their children. And I think that the importance of what we're talking about of focusing on the Lord more than my job is so critical because without that, who knows where we end up as a nation? Who knows where we end up as a church? But Cody, I'm going to give you one last chance if you'd like to uh, talk a little bit more specifically. That's my bad, but uh, here you go. No, I, pre- I appreciate that. The last thought from, from the biblical standpoint, and whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. And I always tried to approach my career that I was never going to leave Christianity at the door. Anytime I over, took over a new store or changed careers, we had everybody together in the building. I told them, I'm a Christian man, and I'm managed by Christian principles. And there were a lot of people that appreciated that, some that had sinful life or knew that my life would call theirs out, not so much there. Um, I was successful, and, and that's not being braggy or anything like that, but when you get uh, recognized by your peers on a national stage in front of CEOs and regional vice presidents, you know that 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 Colossians three principle is in. I tried to do it to the best of my ability was rewarded for those things. But the more I thought about it, the more I wasn't being rewarded for things that are eternal. And while I held Bible studies and devotionals with, with those would allow it in the stores that we were in that I would try to evangelize and the opportunities are there for us to be able to do that. It wasn't enough. You know, I taught Bible class every Sunday for 15 years at the congregation. And every time we moved with a job, we were an active working family, but it wasn't enough. And, and I wanted my reward um, to be given to others in the work that I would do. And that's what caused me finally. I wrestled with it for about 15, 17 years about coming to school. And it just got to the point to where it was that important that, that I wanted to be able to provide um, eternal life through the word to other people. And you just can't, you, you can't stop. That, that's such a um, 100% culmination of what we're talking about. You know, it, it's perfectly summarized and summed up for us because, again, you might be sitting at home with the same point in life that these two gentlemen found themselves. Different ends of the spectrum, you know, but the same point in life where it says, I want to preach or I want to, I want to be more involved in the work of the Lord. I, I know of. Uh, ladies who maybe they say, you know, I've, I've got a background in secretary work. I'd rather go work at a church 
and be able to be home more with my family and be able to have those benefits than to continue working at a company where I don't feel that way. That That's totally up to them to do. Uh, let me give you this advice if you're listening at home and that's what you want. Number one, you can always reach out to us at the network. Uh, we'd be happy to talk to you. But number two, I am positive that these two gentlemen would be happy to work you through anything like that, too. And we'll put their information in the show notes that they give us. It'll probably be their their church emails or something along those lines where they can be in touch with that way. But if you're struggling with that and you're kind of at a point where you're thinking that that's what you want to do, there is no time like the present. I, I love what Cody said, you know, 15, 17 years, struggle with it. And it got to a point where it's time to do it. I tell people when I talk to them about coming to the school, you can kick that can down the road. Unfortunately, you'll end up where you kick it off a cliff and you can't go get it back. And thankfully, men like Cody and Josh are here. They're about to get ready and go into the workforce uh, when we're recording this. But now that you're listening to it, they're there. But I'm thankful they were here. Next week, they're going to be back on, and we'll be talking about things that we cannot control. But until then, let's please God now so our eternity is far better. What's up, guys? It's Caleb and Michael over here from the Scattered Abroad Network, and we just wanted to say thanks so much for listening to this episode. Yeah, we're so thankful to the East Hill Church of Christ for overseeing this network, and we're grateful to God for this opportunity. And don't forget, you can check out our show notes below for all of our social media links, email address, website, and we have a monthly newsletter, so don't forget to sign up for that. Please remember to leave us a rating or a review on whatever platform it is that you use, And please continue to keep our network in your prayers. As always, thank you again so much for listening. Be ready tomorrow. We have brand new content coming out here on the SAN. Thanks so much, and God bless.